0: Welcome to the Wasatch Report. This is episode 77. I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson, and I want to thank you for listening to us on Anchor FM. You can find us directly on my website, SuzanneCSherman.com. The landing page will take you to both our shows, the Wasatch Report radio show, as well as the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. Boy, howdy. This is the time to become prepared for a disastrous situation, economic situation, food inflation. We've been talking about that over on that page. If you're interested in becoming more prepared and self-reliant, head on over. Again, the link for both podcasts is on the landing page of SuzanneCSherman.com. Quick couple of announcements. The sequel to my book, Food Preservation Strategies, is called Doomsday Dining, Recipes from Camp Apocalypse. If you got my first book, you will have been informed on the basics of coming up with a supply of food, this follow-up book will tell you how to live off of your emergency food supplies. As of today, the books are number six and number 12 on Amazon's new release category for preparedness. This out of uh, almost 100 books, so I'm really happy to hear that that's doing really well. And for those who ordered the book or told me that they're homeschooling families, and reached out. You got a free copy of Federalism: How Decentralization Can Save America. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm getting some good comments back already. If you would like a signed copy of Federalism or my other book, Food Preservation Strategies, the Doomsday Dining Recipe Book will be available in print very soon. Send me a donation: twenty-five dollars for Federalism, fifteen for Food Preservation Strategies, and uh, you can do that by going directly to again the landing page on Suzanne C. sherman.com for donate, reach out, and I'll get that right out to you. You can also find on my website, The Lost Frontier Handbook, Learn the Ways of the Pioneers. It is your ultimate guide to self-reliance. Also check out our other recommended products and suggested reading pages on Suzanne C. sherman.com Those do have links to Amazon. Those are affiliate links. You can get some great products. It doesn't cost you any extra, and it helps us out. If you're interested in getting into freeze drying, there's also an affiliate link with Harvest Right Freeze Dryer that will enable you to store some of your favorite foods away for up to 25 years. How are you doing today, Jeff? We had snow and hail on this beautiful spring day out here in the hinterlands of Utah.
1: I'm doing very well. I'm just getting ready to have to go start mowing around here. The grass is getting pretty tall and It's that time of year. Spring is upon us. Getting ready to get the garden in.
0: Well, my my grass is really green now, but it hasn't grown enough for me to start mowing. And then I'm waiting for the first dandelions to come in as well. So that's exciting. Again, we talk more about that on the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. Do check that out if you haven't done so already. Got a new listener yesterday. Jeff, I had found her on a conversation on Facebook the other day. Sent her a friend request and she said she just listened to the first show. Agreed with everything that we said. And we'll be following. So that was nice to hear as well. So, Jeff, I posted something yesterday on Facebook. And this is so relevant to the book on federalism. And the dialogue was really interesting, uh, the commentary that we got in the thread. And I just wanted to discuss that today and talk a little bit about this. And there's an event coming up. I have a Facebook friend who is running for a county recorder office, local office. So he's, he's promoting this event. It's called the Liberty United Festival. And this is going to be in the town of Vineyard at Vineyard Grove Park, Liberty United Festival. And if you're interested in going, this is going to be May 28th from 4.30 to 7 p.m. They're going to have booths, bounce houses, special program, live musicians and food trucks. And so I'm looking at some of the pictures from other rallies. And there is a picture of Abraham Lincoln with Benjamin Franklin, who, by the way, When they asked after they completed drafting the Constitution, getting it ready for ratification, hey, what have you done in there? What have you set up? A republic, if you can keep it. So it seems to me that this scoundrel had an inkling of what was to come and that the people probably wouldn't keep it. And even John Adams said that the system of government was only going to be applicable or would last as long as we have a, uh, let me paraphrase, a moral and just society. So they kind of, in my opinion, knew that this was going to be subject to perils and pitfalls as we are seeing right now. But if the Constitution as ratified was honored, we would have a federal as opposed to a national system. Well, why do we have a national system now, Jeff? Why do you think it rhymes with Pinkin?
1: I think it goes back further than that. But uh because my favorite guy Patrick Henry told us that the constitution would destroy the states and end liberty so i think it's even back at the very beginning but uh yeah it lincoln definitely solidified the national tendencies of this government
0: yes and patrick henry for if those of you that don't know didn't even attend the philadelphia convention he said he smelled a rat and i have said in the past yes he did he smelled a big stinking, fat, ugly sewer rat that has taken over Washington, D.C. and migrated across this continental landmass. And that's the point. This is the reason I'm bringing this up. We have local patriots in Utah, particularly one that's running for a local government talking about the Constitution. He's campaigning as an independent, so good on him, because he's disappointed with how the Republican Party has obeyed the Constitution and justifiably so. But here's my point. When he talks about the Constitution, is he talking about incorporating the Bill of Rights against the states? Because that is inherently unhistorical and in contravention to the founding principles. Again, I explain why in my book, Federalism, How Decentralization Can Save America. And if you're new to the show, what we talk about when we mean federalism is a federal government, a government that is federal in nature, has a limited central government with adequate resources or it has a limited uh, set of responsibilities, as we know, laid out in Article 1, Section 8 primarily, with adequate resources to carry out its obligations. Recently, Washington, D.C. has sent $33 billion, with a B, as in Bravo, to Ukraine. We have no cultural affiliation. We have no alliances or any obligation to defend them whatsoever, $33 billion. This while we are experiencing rampant inflation. This only happens with a government that is completely out of control and unaccountable to its constituents. The larger a government becomes by necessity, the more people that come under its control, the more draconian the regulations are going to be. Is that a fair assessment, Jeff?
1: Yes, it is. And I want to kind of go back to something you said about uh, this guy running as an independent because he's upset with Republicans not obeying the Constitution. Well, first of all, the Constitution has no mechanism to force this government to obey it. They do whatever they want. But in fairness to the Republicans, it goes way back. It goes all the way back to Washington in 1794 when he marched troops into PA unconstitutionally to put down a tax protest. The irony of that is so thick. A few years earlier, we were dumping tea in the Boston Harbor in protest of the tea test. Washington ignored the Constitution and marched troops in to put down a tax protest. So it goes all the way back to the very beginning. So in fairness to the Republicans, they're just doing what the founders did.
0: I I absolutely agree with this. And I say all the time that the Constitution was, uh, was violated before the ink was even dry. And it's interesting because some of my, two of my favorite historians, Kevin Goodsman and Brian McClanahan have absolutely opposing views to this. Brian's more of the view that we are that this was unconstitutional. The state of Pennsylvania never sought federal assistance and federal troops for them to march into to uh, quell the the whiskey rebellion, but interestingly enough, Kevin Goodzman e- e- examined this from the pragmatic point of view, and he's he's an expert on the Constitution, but he's also looking at this from the perspective of Alexander Hamilton, saying he was a general, and generals solve problems, and he knew that the federal government to maintain credibility with and try and get credit with uh, with the foreign countries and in Europe was that they needed to show that the federal government had the power, had the strength, and had the resolve to enforce a federal statute calling for the collection of this tax. So that was to maintain credibility on a worldwide basis. And this is the problem. And this goes back to the First National Bank. Well, it doesn't say we can do it, but it's implied. And that was the doctrine of implied powers, which is how we're getting all this other nonsense. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: And then a few years later, we're talking about 1796, 1797. So we're talking about two, three years later, Adam signs into law the Alien and Sedition Acts, which is blatantly unconstitutional because it violates the First Amendment, the restrictions placed on the government about free speech. And our favorites, uh, Madison and Jefferson and uh, John Taylor of Caroline, met together and penned the Virginia and Kentucky resolutions. And they did it in secret because if they were found out, Adams would have thrown them in prison. So it's very interesting to look back. And when people say that, you know, all we got to do is obey the Constitution. Our founding fathers didn't obey the Constitution. So how are we expecting people 200 plus years later to even do anything other than ignore it?
0: Well, and then you also had uh, Supreme Court Justice John Marshall, who was present at the Virginia ratification debates. He knew what the terms were when this was presented to the Virginia ratification convention. Yet when he became a, a sitting justice on the United States Supreme Court, the chief justice, I might add, he went and did exactly the opposite of what was planned and usurped the state's powers in favor of the general government. You can read about that. I believe I, I don't, if I ha- don't have it on the website, I, I need to get it up there Kevin Goodsman's book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Constitution. But this is nothing new here, folks. This has been going on and this has been accepted for some time. And I will remind you that the Aliens and Sedition Acts were credited with being the, the demise of the party of which John Adams was in the federal, the, was the Federalist Party. And that's when Thomas Jefferson was elected. But I will remind you that we are still living under the modern day version of it. And that's the Espionage Act. If you don't think that's the case, why don't you ask Julian Assange or Snowden about this? Also, the case Gitlow was the one. Gitlow versus New York, I mentioned in my book, Federalism as well, in the chapter on the First Amendment, that was responsible for incorporating the Bill of Rights against the states. And this is where an individual was passing out, Gitla was passing out pamphlets showing that uh, uh, accurately the 13th Amendment was violated by the draft, the institution of the draft. This is looking into the World War I era. Once again, war is always the premise upon which government is expanded. And we have this ratcheting effect. Or the restrictions that we get during a wartime crisis never go back to pre-war conditions. So the Supreme Court called the act of his freedom of expression, his expression of saying that the, the draft violated the 13th Amendment, they called this conduct that was interfering with military efforts during a time of war. So again, th- we're still living under this. So Jeff, I wanna turn a little bit now to what we're looking at. If you fast forward, Abraham Lincoln went to war to enforce a tariff, a tax. The Southern states, which became the CSA, were supporting through these tariffs, which affected them vast in a vastly disproportional manner, the crony capitalism projects in the Northern states. And so finally they said that they were going to leave. But what's happened now, the government schools, which are now primarily funded and overseen by the National uh, Education Administration, NEA, the narrative now, and it's just almost in this common pool of, of collective knowledge that Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. The first time I heard about him, my grandfather, I was a little girl, asked if I'd heard about Abraham Lincoln, if I knew who he was, and he told me he freed the slaves. I'm thinking, well, what slaves? Well, thanks to him, we're all slaves now. So this is what's so frustrating when you have conservatives on one side of their mouths, well-intentioned or not, the effect ultimately is still the same. Using Lincoln as a symbol of liberty is a direct contravention or is it's really the opposite of what we need to do to achieve the goals. But then you have to ask, what are the goals, Jeff?
1: I wish I knew what their goals were other than to consolidate power in Washington, D.C., I mean, I believe that's the ultimate goal.
0: We're going to discuss the goals in a moment right after we return from a break for our friends at Anchor FM. We'll be right back. We could pretend tonight
1: Gone, that you would move down but you will hear
0: on my caller id i'm not surprised your delusional mind thinks it might be all right to call me
1: what will it take to get
0: through welcome back to the wasatch report i'm suzanne sherman jeff johnson and i left the conversation before the break of what are the goals what are the conservatives actually trying to achieve here We've had our good friend Tom Mullen on the show before, and he has a book about where do liberals and conservatives come from. And the point he makes is conservatives, modern day conservatives, presently are really just conserving big government values that are also contrary to liberty, principles of liberty with the police state, the war on drugs immigration in contravention, again, to founding principles. If you want to read about that, again, go to my book on federalism and peruse through the Constitution itself where immigration was a delegated power. We know under Article 1, Section 8, I believe it's Clause 4, that grants Congress the power to come up with the uniform rules of United States citizenship, which is naturalization, but that's not the same thing. So let's look at this a little bit, Jeff. I want to turn our attention to the discussion that ensued. And again, my Facebook page, my private, my personal one is everything's posted. There is public. So anybody listening can go there. My commentary when I shared this image was, this is why conservatives lose. And I had said, now, unless Lincoln was going to be in a dunking booth, I was not going to go to this event. And again, when I say this is why conservatives lose, you're putting up somebody that usurped limited government and the Constitution as it was intended when ratified, completely inverted the scale of power and the distribution of power which was intended to always remain in the states. This nonsense that we're taught the three branches of government where in the public schools and private And this goes through the universities where we have the executive, the legislative and the judicial branch all set out on this equilateral triangle with the implication being that they have a system of checks and balances and one is not to be more powerful than the other. Even Alexander Hamilton had acknowledged that the federal judiciary was supposed to be the least problematic and powerful of the three branches. But as we're seeing now, anytime we have a major point of contention, everybody looks to what the opinion of nine and at least six judges or five will say about what is going to be the, quote, law of the land. This is the antithesis of republicanism. And by that, I mean, little r republicanism, not GOP republicanism across this continental landmass, the latter of which seems to be the goal of the people at this event and the Republican Party in general. So, Jeff, I think the point I'm trying to make, if they still think that this is a legitimate battle or a battle that that could be won, 2020 taught them nothing. 2020 taught them nothing. Do I know for a fact the election was stolen? I do not. But what I do know was going back to when Al Franken was elected, how did he cross that finish line ahead of the Republican candidate? They found bags of mail-in ballots just at the 11th hour, possibly even after the election was called. I don't remember, but I thought this is brilliant and this is going to happen again. The greater the golden ring, which is the presidency, and the greater the power that the federal government, or I should say general or national government, has, the greater the fight's going to be, and as we saw in 2020, regardless of whether or not you feel the results were legitimate, the fact of the matter is it was these mail-in ballots that came in in contradiction to the existing election laws at the time raised legitimate concerns about the national election and its outcome. So this is the problem when you get a government that's gone way beyond its delegated powers. Do you think any of this was unexpected, Jeff, when the mail-in ballots became the thing in, in all these states because of COVID and wanting to keep people safe?
1: No, this was all the intention to make it impossible for them to do whatever they want. Again, I'll go back to my what I've said, and uh, our friend Bob made a meme for me. I say all the time that voting is the illusion of choice. Government pretends to let you choose your slave master. So that election was just just an illusion. It was the illusion of choice. But again, here in Pennsylvania, our law was very specific at a certain time on Tuesday night, the election ended. It is spelled out in law, in the Constitution and in Pennsylvania state law. And it's very clear yet. They were still finding and counting ballots on Friday, and that's where it finally ended. Where the Pennsylvania went for Biden. Clearly, on Tuesday night, it was all over. Trump won. And again, I'm going to say this so people haven't listened to this before: we have no pony in this race, or whatever that saying is. We don't care who is the elected president, elected king, because it doesn't matter. There's a good, famous guy that says. No matter who you vote for, you get John McCain. So that that's the case in these elections for president. You just get John McCain. It was done on Tuesday night. On Friday night, it changed. Whether that's uh, f- fraud or they stole the election, that's up to you to decide. It's just what it's just the facts of the matter here in PA.
0: And we actually did a show. We we covered the show live. I was actually in Las Vegas for a go kart race, and the Trump Tower was behind me in the in the view there. And the interesting thing was, I mean, again, we had called it for for Trump. Again, we are are nonpartisan here. We are all about principles. But when it appeared that Donald Trump had won the election, I watched the coverage. And as you said, okay, we're going to take a break and resume in the morning. And the commentators, I think I was in a hotel, so I had CNN or something on, we have to count the votes. We have to count the votes. We have to count the votes. Notice they never said qualify the votes, count the votes. And then when they had The audits in numerous states, they just went again by the same number. They recounted the votes, but they didn't qualify whether or not they uh, were actually valid. So that's another way of speaking a partial truth, but doesn't tell the whole story. So again, now let's turn to this event in Vineyard, Utah, and the commentary by somebody that lives not far from there. So I had said, this is why why conservatives lose. So the first comment, again, and I have a chapter in federalism, and it is entitled When Emotions Drive Public Policy. One of the reviews I got on the book on Amazon was somebody said that Suzanne is so principled she will even criticize a case that appears to be pro-freedom, such as the McDonald case, with regards to the incorporation of the Second Amendment against the states. Good outcome for gun owners and gun enthusiasts, ultimately granting the general government more power and authority over firearms that they never had to begin with. But thanks to incorporation and the celebration of cases like this, that power is never going away. And again, the National Firearms Act was never released, challenged anyway. So here's one of the, the, the negative comment I got on here. I guess I'm a loser then. I recently heard two of these speakers in person and was so impressed. The Republican caucus, what she's referring to, met the same weekend I was at the Preparedness Expo in Sandy, Utah, at the Mountain Expo Center. And so they were they were speaking there and my friend was attending that. I wish we had more people like them in leadership. And this is a problem, Jeff, between us and many of our listeners. We don't want leadership. We don't want leadership at all. We have seen the results of leadership. Plus, she continues, Vineyard is the only town to tell Cox to pound sand, I'm going to paraphrase, during the locks downs and didn't require masks or shut down businesses. Okay, that's fantastic. Jeff, to me, that is a perfect example of a local community and local government looking after the interests of their constituents. That doesn't happen when you have top-down governance from Washington, D.C. for 350 million people. And here's the kicker, and she doesn't even recognize the irony of her comment and how she beautifully proved my point in the original post better than I did. She said, now their mayor is now running for Congress. So you had a mayor that successfully preserved The liberties, the freedoms, the livelihoods, the businesses of these families in the city of Vineyard, she made a difference. And now she is running for Congress where she will make zero difference, have zero impact, but make a lot of money and have a lot of power. It gets worse. I made a comment, so the mayor is leaving a place, I actually said he, I assumed his gender, my bad, where he actually did some good to seek a position, and I made the S into a dollar sign, of power in a place where he will change nothing. So the response to that, well, she is still the mayor, like I said, my bad. And after listening to seeing, oh, let me back up, she is still the mayor. What does that tell you, Jeff? She was duly elected by the people in that city to represent their best interests. But what is she doing instead? Campaigning for Congress on their time, on their dime to benefit her interest, her career, her quest for more power. How is this in any way honorable or worthy of respect?
1: It's just pretty typical of people that. Run for any of the offices if you run for an office, uh you may have good intentions when you first start out, but as soon as you're in office, the draw for more power and more well let's just be honest about it. You look at all the congressmen and senators they go there of average mean, most of them are middle class, and by time they're there a few years, they're all multimillionaires so let's just be honest about it. uh Most of these people that run for these offices realize that they can go there. And get paid by people a hundred and some thousand, 170,000 some dollars a year and turn it into millions and millions of dollars. And so I have very little uh, hope for this person. If uh, she does run for Congress and does win, Uh, she'll become just like all the rest of them. I mean, I call I, I upset people when I call Massey the king of political theater. He is just there to throw red meat to the conservative masses. When he was in there, okay, let's back up a little bit. Trump w- uh, was elected. They had the House, the Senate, and the presidency. They could have done anything they wanted at that point. Did they repeal Obamacare? No. Did, uh, as Massey keeps saying, he wants to repeal the Department of Education. They could have done that then. Did they repeal the Department of Education when they were there? No. No, so you know what?
0: He, he, had, he, he appointed that, what was her name? Betsy something. And- uh. And then she was the one that was for homeschooling or for a choice, you know, vouchers, all that. And then what did they do? They had a, a study for, I think it was 333 days to, to explore the impact of getting rid of the Department of Education. It's still there. Yeah. 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 Let's, well, let's the do a study.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I don't dislike Massey. He's probably a nice guy, but the fact of the matter is they go there and once they're there, uh, they're just useful tools to continue the big government that's already there. So as, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, they're all about big government. They have no choice in the matter. Uh, Once they're there, they're told how they're going to do things. When they first get there, they don't even do anything but raise money for their party.
0: Yeah, they have to so, sit in a phone bank and raise raise money for the party. Plus, what do you think a freshman congressman is going to get done in Washington, D.C. Absolutely nothing. And then they're going to kiss the you-know-whats of the established party members there so they can get committee memberships and get positions of power. Once you're there, it becomes a power quest to be to be relevant. Go ahead.
1: To be fair, I don't want it to seem like I'm just picking on Massey because I do the same thing with Rand Paul, uh, Mike Lee, any of them. When Justin Amash was there, I do the same thing with them because they talk really big on the social media. They have these great posts. Everyone sits there and goes, "Oh, you're so wonderful. Thank you for talking what my values." But when it really comes down to it, they do nothing. Oh, oh, they'll get they'll propose something like um, uh, Massey again. He proposed a bill to get rid of uh, the Department of Education. It was one line: as of such a date, the Department of Education will be will cease to exist. That was the whole bill. But where is it? It's nowhere it's, it's, because no one else is no one else is going to do it. It was just it's, it's pl- as it's meaningless. Red
0: meat. It's as meaningless as doing some virtue signaling post as saying I oppose racism. But you know, speaking of Massey, also we were talking about him with regards to the Prime Act when we had Tyler Lindholm, who was at the time in the uh, state of Wyoming State Assembly there, and the Prime Act, which was supposed to. Return more power to the states. What Massey needs to do, and I love the way he lives. I love his values. He needs to quit DC, go home and fight for those values using, speaking of Kentucky, nullification. Just say, Hey, be an advocate, be a mover and shaker in that state to say none of our processing facilities here are going to answer to the USDA. It's just not going to happen. We are nullifying that and we will also take it a step further and forbid any federal agents from attempting to inspect our local meat processing facilities. But no, we have the Commerce Clause. These guys just don't get it. And as for Mike Lee that you mentioned, I discuss him in in the book Federalism. In fact, that was in the chapter about emotionalism, which is really what's driving this comment here that we're discussing today. And he he supports the Cradle Act, which is paid family uh, uh, leave for new parents. Okay, how is that constitutional? That's just another form of socialism. He's just coming up with the means where it's attached and comes out of social security, which is also socialism and which is also blatantly anti-constitutional. We've seen all of these examples where people do the math. And if you had been allowed to invest your own money like you wanted to, you would have a vastly increased amount of money. But if you chose not to invest it and you're poor when you're old and have nothing saved up, that's on you. That's not on the federal government. We're going to continue with our commentary on this discussion after a quick break from our music sponsor, Roxanne. I, this way,
1: pretending things will be
0: okay. I wish I had the nerve to say, I don't want to live.
1: Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, ratpackrecordsamerica.com, and roxanneband.com.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Hey, if you like that music, Roxanne is going to have a new album out any day now. I talked to their singer, uh, and he said that the album is done. They're just waiting for some artwork to be done for the cover. I'm really excited about this. So let's get back to our discussion. As we As we've been talking about, there's a rally coming up for freedom and liberty, and that is going to be in the town of Vineyard, where the mayor, good on her, refused to do any of the shutdowns requiring masks and so on in this small town in Utah, and now this woman is abandoning her post. I shouldn't say She's still the acting mayor, but I have to question the amount of time that's going to be spent on campaigning for Congress, and I can't imagine that she can actually do the job that she was elected to do and do that as well and have her entire focus. She said that if we don't vote in those people that are willing to stand up for real freedom, we won't get anything done. The contradictions in this statement are just amazing to me. We have to vote for people for real freedom. Real freedom is exercising your freedom and not waiting for permission. She's congratulating this mayor for telling our Governor Cox to pound sand during the lockdowns and the mask mandates. And I asked this woman on here, I said, because I knew she had written about this on social media. Did you wear masks because you were afraid of what people would think because your mayor didn't give you that freedom? My comment was, as for waiting for the right elected official to divvy out freedom, get it yourself. If you wore a mask because your city told you and you were afraid, you are not helping the cause of freedom. I didn't wear one because I wasn't afraid of what people would say to me. I went to the belly of the beast and went into Whole Foods and was harassed. I was in Walmart, and this young dude put his fist in my face. I still did not wear a mask. I don't need a mayor to tell our governor to pound sand. I did it myself. That is how we get freedom, because we see once these people are elected, they care more about themselves and more about their future opportunities in government and telling us what to do than they do about freedom. Otherwise, they'd stay home and fight the good fight. Jeff, do you remember that article, Mr. Sociopath Goes to Washington? I don't think this mayor is going to maintain her values or be effective with them at all if she is is, uh, successful.
1: I want to go back here and talk about uh, freedoms and liberty, because obviously it's become apparent that most conservatives have bought into the NRA line that we have constitutional rights Mm -hmm. and that that somebody needs to. Stand up for our constitutional rights. And I I would imagine that this person, and I don't know this person personally, believes that we have constitutional rights. This is where the root of all this problem begins. Freaking Tucker
0: Carlson just said that term the other night, too.
1: I mean, this is just everywhere. This is our root of our problem, because everyone now says we have constitutional rights. What they have done is taken our natural rights and converted them into civil rights. And this government now can has the power and the ability to regulate our civil rights where our natural rights were completely denied to them by the bill of rights. That was the whole intention of them. If you read the preamble to the bill of rights, it'll make it perfectly clear that these were absolute restrictions on this new federal government, which is the, a central government, but it was, they were total restrictions on them. It starts out in the first amendment. Congress shall make no law. So when it comes to all these in the Bill of Rights, Congress shall make no law. It doesn't matter. The Second Amendment, Congress shall make no law. Uh, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, Congress shall make no law.
0: Well, and you, and you know that's what? That's
1: what it really goes down to.
0: And, and this is the problem with calling them constitutional rights, because then the politicians come in on every one of these cases that comes under the Bill of Rights and say rights are subject to reasonable regulation. And then we get that ridiculous, you cannot yell fire in a crowded theater, or if you're Nancy Pelosi, you can't yell wolf in a crowded theater, another friggin' dingbat. But my point remains the same. If you do not call these what they really are, are restrictions upon the general government, they have this Wiggle room to say, well, these are rights, and we—it is our job to regulate them during a crisis. W- one of the crises, gun violence during any emergency. Gee, a pandemic during times of war. Hello, Gitlow. Hello to the reintroduction of the uh, Alien and Sedition Act. Hello with the Espionage Act. And then this article again, natural laws. You mentioned those laws, those Jeff. They are laws that have. Fought, go ahead.
1: And now we're stuck with this whole thing. Now we have this case going before the Supreme Court about this uh, football coach that prayed. And here we are. uh, Where in the Bill of Rights was separation of church and state? Is it anywhere expressed? The only thing I do know is that Congress shall make no law abridging. And so what have they done? They've abridged. What has the uh, Supreme Court done? They've abridged the uh, natural right to worship as you please. There, this is not anything that has anything to do with the federal government. It should not be there. If the school district fired them, that's the school district. And uh, like it or not, that's where it belongs. And if you don't like it, vote them all out. Put people in that'll change it.
0: And And this is also going to take uh local and state politicians to have the fortitude to stand up and start saying no to some of this money that's being laundered and sent back to penny for pennies on the dollar that the state send, and they should also start refusing to send a lot of this money if not all of it to the general government this is why and because then it's it's filtered back in the form of bribes with these grants and we see this all the time. I've mentioned that with a, a school district in Utah that said they wanted to get away from Common Core for the benefit of the children. But when the Obama administration said, that's fine, you're not going to get these this funding then, they did not an about-face and said, well, we, we really do uh, have to look out for the educational interests of our children. But you just said you wanted out until you, t- until you realized that you were going to lose the money. Also, when you get these federal programs involved in these personal aspects of our lives, such as medical insurance. I'm going to share a story on a show coming up. I have an issue that's resolved or that's in the uh, process of being resolved with a fraudulent broker out here in Salt Lake City. And what I have been going through with the government exchange and the Utah State Insurance Commission to get this guy out of a job after what he's done. But anyway, going back to this post, looking into electing people to get real freedom Well, what is real freedom? And that's where we get into this distinction between natural laws and civil laws, the former being that if followed, they will promote the survival and thriving of humans, kind of like the laws of physics. They're irrefutable. We don't write natural laws. We discover them just like gravity. In contrast, now we have civil laws written by humans. One of the natural laws is don't initiate force or fraud against another person. Another is do what you agree to do. Adherence to natural law. And this is coming from Mr. Sociopath goes to Washington. I love this article. I wish I'd written it. Adherence to natural law by definition promotes thriving of individuals and the human species. In contrast, defying natural law leads to distrust war and death. That's exactly where we are right now. Yet, what we see is a tug of war between two factions, Democrats, Republicans, left and right, if you consider conservative and and socialist values at opposite ends of the extreme. But if you looked at left and right on a paradigm of Central government to anarchy on the right, strong central fascist re- regimes on the, on the left. And when we say anarchy, we mean peaceful anarchy, a system that is voluntary in nature. Not going to try and convince anybody. If Rob, if Robert Higgs couldn't do it, I'm not even going to try. But for purposes of illustration, I'm having this discussion. So again, we are talking about two sides that both are going far to the left, which is, by the way, progressivism. Now, the people on the left are coming out and out and out calling themselves Marxists or communists. But by not standing up and fighting this tooth and nail for all it's worth, particularly at the state level, well-meaning members of the Republican Party are ultimately going to take us down the same path. We will end up in the same place. The more power we lend to the government, The less freedom we are going to have, we are going to end up with the restrictions that we are seeing in China. The smaller the government you have, the more people it has to control, it has to follow, it has to monitor, it has to regulate, the more draconian it is going to be. It works that way every time. True republicanism is going to require decentralization, taking the power away from D.C. and at a local level Understanding that less regulations, less force, less compulsion of making kids go to public government schools is going to be the key to freedom, not voting in leaders that are blowing smoke up, you know, where and making promises they will never be able to deliver. Final thoughts, Jeff?
1: I just want to end on this note that we have natural rights that we receive from, if you don't believe in God, nature. Or if you do believe in God, we get from God. These are not negotiable. I don't care what government says, I have them. They're mine. They can't take them away. They can deny me the ability to enjoy them. And in a lot of cases, they are. But to say that we need constitutional rights is giving away your natural rights that you are yours. They they can't take them. If you give them up to them, and let them start calling them civil rights that they can now uh, regulate because, you know, we need to have some we have to have people control our rights. Because if we have our rights, we might actually do something they may not like. Well, that's too bad. And I'm going to just throw this in here. We've been watching this argument for the last week now uh, after Musk bought Twitter. The, uh, everyone's up in arms, but what is oh people might actually say something that offends somebody because they're exercising their natural right of free expression oh my goodness the the inhumanity of this whole thing well I will take uh, the a little bit of maybe not liking what people say or do as opposed to having government control my life and my natural rights
0: yeah and final thought here too the the original poster uh kind of put words into my mouth saying that i implying that i was calling everybody a loser by saying well i must be a loser then and if these people the ones that she mentioned in there like the mayor uh and the ones that she heard speak uh are are losers and i want to be counted as one as well and i want to make very clear i was not calling anybody a loser i was saying this is why they are going to lose and there's a difference here that clearly went over this person's head was i love watching mma i am a huge fan of combat sports mma boxing One of the best fights I saw was Brian Ortega and Volkanovsky. Ortega lost. Do I call him a loser? No, I call him a legend. That was a freaking great fight. And this is what I pointed out to her. When you see a competitive sport or, or teams playing football, pick your team, whatever it is, if you watch a sporting event, do you call everyone on the team that loses a loser? I absolutely do not. I am analyzing why one side is not coming out ahead. And they never will now that the stakes are so high at a national, pardon my French, at a national level, the stakes are going to be so high and already are, I should say, that they will do anything to win. And we have seen that. So my second point is saying we must do this. We are going to win. We won't get anything done unless we vote in the right people. This is right wing collectivism. Collectivism is the antithesis of freedom. So while you are well-intentioned, you are not helping. All right, everybody, I wanna thank you for listening to the Wasatch Report on behalf of Jeff Johnson and myself, Suzanne Sherman. Have a great day.